and good evening or good afternoon or good morning but it's good something because it's always a good day with jesus wow did that sound nerdy and really cliche i almost regret saying it now but i'm not taking it out either so what do you think of the new intro video did you like it if you did give a huge big thumbs up like share and all that fun stuff and congratulate my amazing wife because she's the one that came up with, with doing all that and uh, I thought it was pretty awesome it uh, goes ahead and it shows all the different things that uh, we've been doing over the years uh, in ministry so and it's 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 been what five five years six years almost it'll be six years in January with uh, with doing ministry things so and this is just a new uh, element it's actually something we did before and we're just revamping how we do it and making it better so and eventually we'll be doing live videos again so i'm excited for that uh what else what else oh derp who are you watching with and where are you watching from okay that's what i always like to see where we're watching from because oh, we found out we got people from france we got some people from australia watching we, we got the aussies watching getting to, to learn about the power of god i might have butchered that a little bit but if i didn't give me a thumbs up give me a congratulations hey good aussie accent i, I do my best i try and come up with the best uh, accents that i can my french one's not too great so I, you know I, I can't do that i can't do it without doing a uh -huh, but so that's why i'm not gonna go ahead and do that and offend anybody it's not my mean to offend you i like to have fun and I can do different accents. I got a Scottish one. It's like a little mix of Irish and Scottish. So it's like, and I can't do the Irish one hardly without doing the Scottish one. It's weird how it works out. I don't know what it is. But uh, yeah, what are my many talents? So <laughs> that's why I like to see where people are watching from. Because maybe I'll try and do your accent. And, uh, and see if I, I can't get it together good. But uh, you have to let me know. Uh, it's funny. I, I, I know a little bit of German, but I can't do the German one very well. It ends up sounding like something else. So anyhow, <laughs> let me know where you're watching from. United States, anywhere in the States, whatever state it is, town, whatever you want to name. We are coming at you from Cherry Tree, Pennsylvania. And just like that blink that I had, you probably missed it. So that's where we're coming at you from but today as we are on what day are we on today is what the 15th the 15th day oh yeah no kidding today's the 15th i i gotta get with the program people <laughs> so anyway today is christ in the temple and it's not where he's clearing out the temple this is going back to when he was teaching at uh or not so much teaching but learning and speaking at 12 years old in the temple and you're thinking didn't you already do that no i i did sort of the other day where i was teaching about his obedience but today is where he's there teaching so we're just going to back it up a little bit even though i backed it up the other day some but we're going to be talking on that today about christ teaching in the temple and i'm probably going to be talking about uh kids and the value of them and what you can pour into them as parents as uncles grandparents whatever you may be practicing for when you're going to have kids coming so aunts uncles i know a lot of people who 
our aunts and uncles and don't have children of their own, so they got to pour in to those kids. Who else? Foster kids, even. How you can pour into foster kids. And you know what? They actually are, are kids that need uh, a lot of love and a lot of help. And, it, and a lot of times it requires a lot of love and help to uh, reach out to them. When we uh, were teaching the youth, we had uh, a lot of kids that, that were come from foster families and everything or, or were even in the system at one point and uh and just pouring into them so i'll probably share some of those things as we go today but that's what we got for today if you know somebody that that fits that share it with them even if they don't fit it share it with them anyway you never know the things in revelation that you can get out of the bible i'm telling you right now you could read the same passage over and over and over again and each time find a new revelation and as the lord reveals things to you so it's always, always good to uh, find out new things and get revelation from the Lord. Let me pray for you while I'm thinking about it. Father, I thank you for your people that they're watching tonight. And I pray, Lord, for revelation understanding to be poured out to them as we go in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Let's get going. So coming at you, Luke chapter 2, verses 42 through 49. So Luke 2. 42 through 49. Y'all ready? All right. The Bible says, Passion Translation, When Jesus turned 12, his parents took him to Jerusalem to observe the Passover, as was their custom. A full day after they began their journey home, Joseph and Mary realized that Jesus was missing. They had assumed he was somewhere in their entourage, but he was nowhere to be found. After a frantic search, among relatives and friends, Mary and Joseph returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After being separated for him, from him for three days, they finally found him in the temple, sitting among the Jewish teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard Jesus speak were astounded at his intelligent understanding of all that was being discussed and at his wise answers to their questions. Jesus' parents were shocked or his parents, were shocked to find him there. And Mary scolded him, saying, Son, your father and I have searched for you everywhere. We've been worried sick over not finding you. Why would you do this to us? Jesus said to them, Why would you need to search for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be here in my father's house, consumed with him? Amen. All right. So, you ready to pull this apart some? Let's look at it. All right, so... It says, when Jesus turned 12 in the Jewish culture, then, even now, uh, a boy at the age of 12 was called a son of the law. So, not a son-in-law, son of the law, which means they're, they're learning. Okay, and this would have uh, been a time for him to go and do Passover with the family. And let me see here, I want to make sure there was nothing else, any other little details. No, okay. So, and you see the number 12 a lot in, in the different things that it means. It's like a, uh, uh, what is it, like a, a, a perfect administration time. So you see that there's 12 disciples, 24 elders, which is two sets of 12 um, in heaven. And where else do you see 12, obviously, in the age of children, um, 12 tribes of Israel. <laughs> How could I forget that? So. 12 months in a yearly cycle. So 12 
is a uh, is a good important number biblically. All right. So he's 12 years old, and his parents took him to observe the Passover as was their custom. And then a full day after their journey home, after they began their journey home, Joseph and Mary realized that Jesus was missing. So they they'd been traveling for a full day, and they realized he was missing. So you got to take into consideration that it was a a big family thing. You know, you would all travel and and do Passover together as a family. So they had a lot of people with them. You know, it was them, extended family, all going. And uh, after a friend, they assumed he was somewhere in their entourage. I kind of like the fact it's like they had an entourage. Like, yeah, these are my peeps. They're all around me. Anyway, but he was nowhere to be found. After a frantic search among the relatives and friends, Mary and Joseph returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After being separated from him for three days. So three days he was in the temple. I mean, where was he sleeping? What was he doing? And you got to take this into consideration the impact that he would have had as a child for the, the teachers of the law to even welcome him and, and keep him in the temple. Uh, that's just something that astounds me. Like he was there learning from them. It says he was listening to them and, and asking questions. And all who heard Jesus speak were astounded as an intelligent understanding of all that was being discussed and his wise answers to their questions. So not only was he answering or get ask, get it together, asking questions and talking with them. But they also had questions for him because they got understanding from him at 12 years old. And it says they were astounded at it. Now, you got to take this into consideration. Jesus has been there for three days. Did he go three days without eating? That's probably not really good for a 12-year-old. But he was probably being fed and taken care of by the people at the temple. Like, nobody seemed bothered that Jesus was there. I don't know. That's something that amazes me. That happens nowadays. If parents forget their kids, like have a home alone thing, and forget their their kids for three days, I mean, law enforcement's involved, child abandonment, people going to jail. I mean, those are all the things. But back then it was like, oh, no, no big deal. We'll just take care of your kid for you for a little while. And that just goes to show that the, uh, the type of culture that they had to where everybody was, yes, individuals, but everybody could join together too. And obviously Jesus didn't live in Jerusalem. He was coming from Nazareth. And they still ended up taking care of it. They, they seen the need and took care of it. Is this like an uh, advocate for socialism? Absolutely not. It's absolutely not. It just goes to show that, that, that people can take care of people. And it's okay. People look out for people. Now we have more of like a self-centered society that we live in where people aren't looking out for people you're you're the people you're looking out for is you yourself and you because it's you and your phone taking your your selfies and everything like that i I don't i don't get taking the selfies it i i I don't know just it doesn't resonate with me but you see where people are more inward looking and selfish in their thoughts and their mannerisms and the things that they do to where back then it wasn't that way. It was everybody understood that it took everybody to make everything run. And and so everybody, you oh, you have this skill. I have this skill. Well, let's get together and make this yours and mine work. And you can do this, Richard. 
it was a society that realized that it wasn't one that was selfish where you could just go to the store and everything and you didn't actually need people they understood the the mutual need that everybody had for everybody and it wasn't like one half was doing the work while the other half just didn't uh, do anything and they reaped the benefits of it that's absolutely not that's that's a loser way of looking at things and uh and you can try and say that Jesus was for socialism. No, no, he definitely wasn't. Definitely wasn't. They agreed about taking care of the poor and everything like that because there's people who obviously are unable to take care of themselves and they don't have family. So yes, it's good to take care of them. You know that if, if Christianity did Christianity properly, there wouldn't be any need for the welfare system and the government to be overseeing anything. So think about that. This, just a little nugget. And I would venture to say that this is where the church is starting to move toward, is actually taking care of people again and, and being the church. Not doing like a welfare system, but taking care of people, getting them up on their feet and, and pushing them out, showing there's always ways to do things and teaching people how to do it and to be able to fend for themselves and not just come for a, a free everything and a handout like the government wants. It's just another form of slavery. Uh, I don't know why I went with all that. But anyhow, Jesus spoke, being wise, in the temple. They were, uh, under, they were astounded at his intelligent understanding of all that was being discussed and his wise answers to their questions. So here's something else to think out. His parents were shocked to find him there. It's interesting why they were shocked to find him there. Where, what other areas were they checking? The marketplace and all, all the different areas that they checked, and it was like it was the last place they looked, which I guess makes sense because once you find somebody, once you find something, you don't keep looking for them or for it. You, know, you ever hear that phrase? Like, oh, I was in the last place I looked. Well, yeah, no kidding, because you didn't find it and then keep looking. It's like, yeah, I found it, but I figured I'd keep Anyway. But it was the last place they thought to look, and, and Mary, knowing who Jesus was, as did Joseph, you'd think that they would have went there first and, and found him there. And Jesus was even surprised at it. Why would you need to search for me? Didn't you know it was necessary for him to be here in my father's house, consumed with him? For him, it was like, you should have came here first. But what I want you to realize, as parents or grandparents, uncles, aunts, or whoever, Again, I, I said this uh, in probably about three or four times now, talking about children and, and the value that you can put into your children and the knowledge that you can impart into your children, not dependent on church to impart into your kids all the biblical needs. No, you as the parents do it. You're the ones that are pouring into them. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph were pouring into Jesus as he was growing up, as with the other children that they had. And it was just coming to where Jesus was coming into more of a fulfillment into who he was and an understanding of who he was. And you know, this is the last you hear of him until he starts his ministry, is this 12-year-old time frame. And it's just, I think the, the Holy Spirit did this to, to show that there was a, a training of Jesus all throughout his life and grown up. Because you read even before that, and it says, um, verse 39 and 40, or 40, 
The child grew more powerful in grace, for he was being filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And that was as a kid, leading up to this point where he was 12. And then from there, you don't hear anything until he starts his ministry. And you, you got to understand and realize that that same favor and that maturity continued to grow in him. Why? Because he was being poured into. It wasn't something that he was just getting all by himself. There had to be a pouring into before that. So that's the value that you take and have into your, in your children, that they can, you can pour into them and understand that they can have this wisdom at 12 years old. And before you think, oh, well, that was Jesus. No, that same thing applies now. I know a minister who's young and further ahead, way further ahead in ministry than where I am now, and he's only in his early, early to mid-20s. But he had been ministering since he was 12, 13 years old in India. I mean, and, you know, India's not exactly like, oh, hey, the gospel, let's have that here. No, it's, it's not. But he started ministry when he was like, I'm going to say, I'll go 12, but he, he may have even been younger. At 12 years old and preaching to thousands of people in India and seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. Why? Because it, it's just a matter of being sold out. He actually put a post up the other day that said, um, uh, basically along the lines of when other men's thoughts about you don't matter, miracles are what happens. I paraphrase that. I mean, I shared it, so if you want, look up Jeremy Puckett on Facebook, and you'll find it there. Or my wife can share it to the ministry page if she hasn't already, and you'll be able to see it there. But, yeah, he started out young in the ministry because why? His father had been pouring into him. His dad had been pouring into him from a young age, and he, he just caught it. And from a young age was preaching and seeing the miracle signs and wonders. Why? Because Holy Spirit doesn't care what the age is. Holy Spirit cares about who's yielded to him and who's got a heart to learn from him and from his father. So this is why you don't, you don't hope your kids just figure it out one day when they get older. No, you take the time and, and pour into them while they're young. And then they get that understanding. And then as they get older, what's the Bible say? Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. You train them up while they're young, and when they're older, it's so ingrained into them that there's nothing that will take it out of them. That's the reality of the situation. And it's not up to you. can't look and be like, oh, my kids, they, they, they went away. It must have been the church's fault. The youth pastor should have done more or something. No, it's you. It, it's, it all falls on you. As... As grandparents, maybe you're grandparents and you're raising up your grandkids because whatever. Pour into them kids day in and day out from a young age on up. And it's never too late. Keep them prayed up. If you're getting them while they're teenagers, keep them prayed up. If you're a foster parent or even an adopted parent, you can do the same thing. Pray them kids. Put the blood of Jesus over them. Keep them prayed up. And then while you're at it, teach them. And if they resist the teaching, just work it in throughout daily things. Little bits of teaching. Be like, oh, yeah, you know how uh, how we drove by and we were taking food to people or something, whatever it is. Use everything you can for a teachable moment and show them the, the love of the Lord. When we uh, were uh, teaching youth at the church we were at before, um, we... <laughs> It wasn't a, a, I didn't feel like it was a calling for us. It was a, a, um, a spot that was a need, and we were able to fulfill it because 
I, I believe in being fluid and being able to operate in, in different areas and everything. So you just kind of go with the flow of what's coming. So we, we got the youth and started teaching them. I didn't start like, oh, now this is the Bible and, and this is Joseph and Mary. I didn't start with like soft teaching. I, I gave quick salvation, gave an understanding and teaching on salvation, moved into prayer, moved into worship. And before we left, we were teaching on worship and the, the kids loved it. It gave them a new perspective on how to engage and talk with the Lord and have relationship with the Lord through worship. And, and a lot of them loved it. And I've seen these kids get radically changed from the, uh, the understanding of being in the presence of the Lord. And we, we taught them on prayer. Some of them resisted prayer like I've prayed before and nothing happened or I got the opposite of it. And we worked through that. It was the thing that, that we worked through as we taught them. But the thing of it is they understood the spiritual things that we were giving them. I didn't have to break it down Barney style or nothing for them. Just taught them straight and gave good examples to them. Much of the way I do it here, but just a little bit different. Cause it, and here's the thing. Even after a while, they started calling me dad and they called my wife mom. It's just a, a term of endearment and, and maybe even a little bit silly. But that, that that's, was how they addressed us. And, and that's just how we poured into them. And you know why? Because I didn't bother seeing them as uh, just dumb teenagers that, that couldn't really get an understanding. I didn't dumb it down. We, we were told, you know, oh, you know, they might have a short tension span. Do like a 20-minute lesson and then let them have fun and everything. No. I mean, the time frame varied, but there was times where it was like I was teaching them for the whole time. We'd do worship, and then I'd be teaching for almost an hour, and then it was like there was very little playtime. But you know what happened? They started saying, hey, look, can we skip out on doing the fun stuff afterward and, and press in? Do more worship afterward. Can we do, we called it a kill circle with the prayer. And you may find that kind of funny, but that's where problems went to die for these kids. That's why I call it, yeah, the prayer circle was the kill circle. <laughs> you may laugh and think it's funny. I kind of think it's funny, but it, it's just what it was. And it's something they enjoyed. Did we have some that, that didn't really receive? Yeah, there, there were some that just showed up just to show up and, and get a meal because we would feed them too. And uh, there were some that way. But there was a couple that we were pouring into and that were receiving. And that's what I was looking for. I wanted them all to catch it, right? But I knew that wouldn't be the case. So we, we took the ones that were hungry. And we kept pouring into them. And then we kept pouring into the other ones too. And sometimes there was tough love involved and sometimes there wasn't. But why was that? Because we seen and understood the value of a young person. We didn't write them off as, oh, they don't get it for now. They'll get it when they get older. You do that, they ain't going to be there when they get older. Your kids can understand and receive now. This, uh, Like I said, this is probably like the third time. I've, I've hit on this. And this is just one of the, another attribute of Jesus that he was able to teach from a young age. He had understanding, wisdom, and knowledge even from a young age. And it's not just because he was Jesus. There was work that was done ahead of time by Mary and Joseph by pouring into it. And I'm sure Joseph was teaching them carpentry work. And uh, even while they were doing carpentry work, teaching them there. Like I said the other day, 
My wife says, take time to smell the roses. It's in the little moments that you can teach your kids. Even in the moments where you screw up, you can teach your kids and eat a little bit of humble pie and be like, look, I was a chooch, I screwed up, and I messed that all up. And this is what we can learn from it. Like, don't think yourself all hoity-toity and, and whatever. Take every moment that you can to teach, even in the mistakes. You'll impart wisdom into your children, and it'll stick with them. And then you won't have to be that parent be like, oh, well, yeah, when my kids got to be teenagers, man, it was just a fight. Every, uh, I've seen so many people say stupid stuff like that. Oh, well, when they get to be teenagers, you wait and see. My uncle told my dad that because uh, he said, you wait and see when them boys get to be teenagers, you'll, you'll have a problem. I got to be a teenager. I was not a problem to my dad. My kids, I got one teenager now, one that went through teenager. She's 20. She'll be 21 here in a couple months. I didn't have any troubles with her. Probably because I took it and I made sure I beat her every single day. No, I'm just, I'm teasing. I didn't do that. She's sitting here. That's why I said that. No, I, I didn't have to. It was taken care of when she was little. And uh, she's an awesome kid. Still is. She helped us out a lot of times with the youth. She was like kind of the, the, the mediator and go-between, you know, because she could reach on our level and she understood on their level too. It was, it was great. But no, I never had any trouble with them. Why? Because I didn't buy into that nonsense of, oh, when they get to be teenagers, they're going to have trouble. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, please, don't give me that nonsense. Yeah, teenage brains are, are going through a lot. There's a lot of chemical changes and things going on in their head. They think from more of an emotional brain. And this is all just science stuff, I'm telling you. Because of the different hormones that are getting released in their brain, their limbic system is uh, working on it overtime as opposed to their prefrontal cortex where all the rational thought is developed. Yeah, you didn't think uh, I knew that kind of stuff. I did. I, I do some... I do some learning. I get myself educated. So I got some understanding. No. Yeah. The service is looking at me. What? I mean, no, you, you, you take time and you, you learn things. I learned how kids' brains work a little bit. And it's like, okay, this is why they do this. This is why they think from an emotional point. And then you got to take them from the emotional and bring them into the rational and teach them. Go figure. You take time to teach people, and they, they get it, even from a young age, from all different walks of life. So, I don't know. I guess all of this was praise the Lord, that kids can understand and even impart into adults at a young age because they're able to receive wisdom. It's just sometimes adults got their nose stuck up too high in the air that they won't receive any wisdom from kids even when kids are usually sometimes working their faith better than most adults do. I mean, hey, if that was a tough thing to hear, then that's what it is. I'm not saying go to your kids and be like, what can you teach me? No, <laughs> just impart to them, and whenever they drop a golden nugget on you, take it. <laughs> okay? That's, I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I, I taught youth for a little bit, and I got, I got my own kids that, at various ages that uh, it just hits home and I got a little bit of understanding on it but 
what I'm telling you, it's, it's not nonsense. Don't write them off. They didn't write Jesus off, so much so they had to go looking for him. And where was he at? He was in with his father, learning from his father. You start pouring into your kids now, and there'll be a point to where they're doing it on their own. You'll catch them in a time of worship, in a time of prayer, getting smacked by the Lord. Not like smack, smack, but in a good way. You might catch your kids crying some ugly tears or something because they're just loving on God. So, praise the Lord. If you're sitting here watching, maybe maybe you're a young person. Maybe this would be a good video to share with some young people. And, uh, you know, maybe your elder that watches over you for lack of having to go through Uncle Sans and all that stuff. And uh, they shared this with you, and for whatever reason you decided, yeah, I'll go ahead and watch this. I'm glad you stayed on. And I, I want to encourage you that God loves you. He got an amazing plan for your young life. And if you're watching and you're older, this applies to you too. God still has an amazing plan for your life. I don't care if you went through your whole life. You went through your young years and you're a little older now. And you've done screwed up and messed up a lot. Makes no difference. The Lord's plan for your life is still the same. God does not have plan B. He has plan A for your life and he only looks at A. And he can take you and get you right to where he needs you to be, no matter where you are in life. So, if you're that person, has never known who the, the Lord was. You're a young person, you're an older person, whoever it be. And this is the first time you're hearing about Jesus. The first time you might be hearing that Jesus was, had some wisdom and was imparting into some adults, even from a young age. Maybe it's the first time you're hearing that. Jesus died for you and he loves you. He paid the price for you. Maybe you've heard some of this stuff before. Maybe you've even read through these passages before. And you've fallen away from the Lord. You haven't walked with Him. I was, I was that guy. I, I carried my Bible around in, uh, in high school. I mean, there was a time where I didn't. And then I had a, an encounter with the Lord at a youth lock-in, believe it or not. And I started carrying my Bible around school and reading and praying with people and, and doing whatever. People come to me asking questions. It, it, was, it was pretty neat. And, that, and it's not, I was in a city school, so it's not like it was like real uh, Jesus-friendly. So, but I had a lot of respect. A lot of people respected it. But then I, I got out of my teenage years, and I, I went into the military. I went into the Marines. And that's where my path separated from the Lord. I didn't follow the plan that God had for me. I knew I was called to preach a long time ago. And I didn't follow that plan. Maybe that's where you're at. You, you knew you had a call in your life a long time ago. And you didn't follow that plan and, and you fell away. I did my own program for probably 15 years or more. And, uh, and I paid for it. I had, had some hard times. Maybe you're in that spot where you had hard times. Today is the day of salvation. The Lord hasn't changed how much he loves you. He may not have been happy with the stuff that you've done, but it doesn't change that he still loves you, and he wants you to come back to him. Maybe you, you've had tragic events that have happened in your life and just like seem to blow you out of the water, and you, you don't even know where you're at. You don't know up from down, and 
you don't even know if you're saved anymore. Maybe you said a prayer at one time and you're not even sure anymore of what's going on. If you fit any one of those three types of categories, today, today is your day of salvation. I want you to pray with me. Pray from your heart with your mouth out loud, out loud. I mean, you don't have to be hollering, but by all means, if you want to, have at it. I'll join you in that. I like it. But if you want to take the time and whisper, then you whisper, but put some type of volume to your voice. God likes to hear what you have to say. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, I believe that you died for me and that you rose again for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost and a hunger for the things of God. And give me a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am saved. I am born again. And I am on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. And just like that, welcome to the family. Welcome back to the family. Welcome to knowing absolutely for sure that you're in the family of God. Everything's been washed away in that moment. And I want to encourage you, no matter what happens in life, don't you ever, ever run away from God, but always run to Him. Always run to Him. And what I want you to do, I want you to reach out to us and say, hey, I just got saved, I recommitted, I, I just realized how saved I actually am. I want you to reach out to us. I'm going to send you a Bible. we got these Bibles here, and I want to send you one. It's a, a New Testament, the New Living Translation. I like the New Living Translation. I use it to preach a lot. I preach out of a lot of different translations. So, um, And this is the New Testament, and you see the little drop of water on there? That's to meant. It's meant to whet your appetite for what the Bible is. Just because you get a New Testament doesn't mean you got the whole thing. I preach and teach a lot out of the Old Testament. This is just to whet your appetite and get you closer in relationship to the Lord. Okay, it, I mean, it even says right here, how to find God. So, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. How about all, all the cute little uh, acronyms and everything? So, Reach out to us. I want to send you that. That's, it's our gift to you to get you started in following the Lord. I don't, by all means, don't think I'm leaving you high and dry. Hey, we said the prayer, and now, tough break. Good luck with the rest of your life there, buddy. No, by all means, keep tuning into this. I'm an evangelist. I preach the gospel. I love to see people get saved, but I don't kick you to the curb. I try and get you plugged in as best I can with local churches. This is why as an evangelist, I like to get into local churches to get them set on fire. That way when we get people saved, we got somewhere to plug them into so that they can be discipled and grow because that's the nature behind it all. But do I have to entrust people to the Lord? Yeah, there's times where, where we're meeting people and, and I don't get to plug them in and I have to entrust them to the Lord. Kind of like Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm just saying. So, that's, that's what we do. That's evangelism. But I want to see you grow. One of the ways you can grow is continue in your word, continue in prayer, and continue watching the videos. And you can learn from this. Find yourself a good church. If not, we can help you even find a church. But one of the ways you can do, plug in here and learn from here. And if you've been watching for a little while and sharing videos with people, 
and you like what we're doing, I want you to consider joining us in your finances, in your giving. So into what we're doing here, because what you're doing is making yourself a part of other people's lives that you might not ever see, but you'll be able to impact. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to join us in that and going after the harvest of souls, just like you've seen uh, in the entry video, and then probably there's one on, on the closing video. But reach out to us, give into what we're doing here. There, there's blessing in giving. We are where we are because of the, the, the times that we've given, and we've been blessed. I, I could sit here all night and tell you time after time of the things that the Lord did out of our giving and some of the miraculous things I've seen that comes from it. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he what? He gave, and he gave his one and only son. You don't get much more giving than that. You can, you can never outgive God. And the Bible actually says that you're the kind of person that when you give and you're a cheerful giver, you're the kind of person that the Lord can't do without. So I'm just dropping some little nuggets on you. And it's not like we don't give. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something that we, we definitely do a lot. So join us in that, all right? Also, oh, and part of the giving is uh, one of the things we're going to be doing is giving away um, books for your giving. And it's uh, from Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And it's his book on dominion over sickness and disease. You have authority. You have power over sickness and disease as a Christian. Jesus said that you go and lay hands on the sick. He didn't say specifically pastors and above. He said everybody as a Christian. You go and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So when you give, we'll be able to get you those books here. I'm going to get a box of them. And if you're giving now, I'll even figure out a way to get you, get them to you. But you got to leave your contact info with us. Okay? Because I'll find a way to get you the book even now before we even have a uh, uh, mess of them on hand. So that's what I want you to do. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for sharing this. Sharing, like, share, subscribe. All those fun things. All the info for giving and that will be over here. All the ways to get in touch with us will be over there at various points throughout the video. Pay attention and you'll find out. All right, everybody. I love you. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Jeremy Puckett from Fire Now Ministries. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Fire Now Ministries is an evangelistic outreach ministry, and we're based in Pennsylvania. We're constantly looking for ways to reach to the communities and spread the love of Christ. We just want to thank you for listening. Please take a moment and share this with others. Sharing helps. If you find yourself touched by this message, I want you to consider sowing a seed into this ground and join with us and help us in getting the gospel out. All the links are going to be in the description box, for, but for a simple way, PayPal me slash fire now. All gifts are tax deductible 501c3 and I'll see you soon. Bye.